Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to New York's Finest Retired and Unfiltered Podcast. Join us while we explore the life and experiences of those that at one time held a front row ticket to the greatest show on earth, policing the streets of New York City. The mission of this podcast is to improve relations between citizens and law enforcement through honest civil discourse. We give our audience, retired members of the service, to ask questions on current and past events and get real unfiltered answers and opinions. Go in-depth into the life and careers of our guests. Look inside the diverse lives of retired members of the NYPD. Please tune in each week and like and subscribe to hear true crime stories and opinions like you've never heard them before. Attention to roll call. This episode is dedicated to Detective Brian Moore of the NYPD, who was killed in the line of duty on May 4th, 2015. While conducting plainclothes patrol two days prior, Brian and his partner, Eric Jansen, attempted to stop an armed individual. Brian was mortally wounded during the encounter. His murderer was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. Brian, who comes from a law enforcement family, was the son of an NYPD sergeant. Although Brian's career was short, he affected over 150 arrests and was awarded multiple citations. Brian was only 25 years old. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Our guest for today is going to be uh, Mariel Kola. Mariel grew up in Albania. He's of Albanian descent. He lived in Italy for a short time. He, Im- uh, he immigrated to America at 21 years old. Uh, Mariel served four and a half years with the NYPD. He started his career with the NYPD in January of 2018. Um, during his tenure, he served in uh, Transit District 4, and he was a certified department translator. Mariel was recently terminated from the NYPD for not complying with the New York City's vaccine mandate after his request for a religious accommodation was denied. Uh, for anybody that knows me, this is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, the thing with it, with, with this is that Mariel actually had previously submitted a religious commendation in which he was asked to be granted Friday and Saturday as his regular days off. And that request was granted by the department. Mariel's a Seventh-day Adventist, and he's also a church elder. He's married and he lives in upstate New York. Mariel was less than six months away from reaching his five years on the job where he would be able to take a vested retirement. For those of you that don't know what a vested retirement is, it means that he would be able to collect some of his pension benefits. They basically fired him before he would even be able to do that for no good reason. Mariel has no disciplinary history. He's never had a sick issue. Um, And it's just this is the first time in history anything like this has ever happened in the history of the police department when people are being terminated for absolutely no reason. Um, After months of him being actively coerced to take the vaccine or to resign, they told him if you're not going to take the vaccine to resign so that they wouldn't have to fire him. he was told, he reached out to his union, the, the Police Benevolent Association, the largest police union in the country, oversee the most members. And he was basically told by somebody, just take the vaccine, um, you know, which is which is abhorrent. These are the people that are supposed to represent us, that are supposed to represent their offices, represent us not only as a collective, but as individuals. Um, 
Mariel was highly respected by both his peers and his supervisors. I spoke with several people about him. Uh, anyone that knows me knows I have a ton of contacts and, you know, people speak very openly and freely with me. And I've heard nothing but good things about this, this man. Uh, Mariel was an above average employee. He was not a disciplinary issue. He was even lauded as a hero on Twitter for saving an overdose patient's life uh, down on the transit platform. Um, you know, all including myself were that I've spoken to were very disheartened about his termination. Um, I still, you know, most of the country doesn't even understand that this is still going on. I think most New Yorkers don't even realize the effects that's having on, on everyday people. Um, you know, so, uh, police officer call, I, I applaud you for coming on. I applaud you for being brave enough to, uh, to speak out and to just tell everybody a story. And basically, you know, you came here, you came to this country for a better life. You decided to take probably the hardest career that you could pick in this country. Um, and, you know, and you, you excelled at it. So, you know, if you could just give everybody just a little background on yourself and, uh, and just tell us all, all about you. Sure. Uh, thank you very much, Lieutenant, for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, a little bit thing uh, for myself. I was uh, I was born in the early '80s. I come from Eastern Europe, Albania. Uh, used to be a communist country. Um, I was raised over there by both of my parents, my father, and my mother. Uh, I grew up in Albania. Um, and, um, I spent a couple of years in Italy when I finished my high school, uh, back home, I went to Italy. I stayed for four years after finish. I graduated from music was my major was music. I came to this country in United States in 2006. I did, uh, I did a different, uh, different jobs since when I came to this country. And um, oh, can you hear me? I hear you, sir. Okay. Uh, and finally, I decided to join the police department in, uh, in 2018. I joined the police department in January 2018. Super happy because it was my desire to be a cop, to serve the community, and to do something good. So I joined the police department in 2018. I was super happy. I finished the academy in July and I joined the transit for after graduation. Uh, from there, I've been, uh, I've been uh, consistently at uh, transit district four serving, uh, the, serving the community, the commuter take the train daily protecting them and doing my best okay so you, you join you, you come on the job all the right reasons you come to this country all the right reasons uh you work at a very hard time in uh the police department i joined in 2004 and i've seen a lot of changes on the job um did you notice a change in this city prior to you joining or did you start, or did you ever notice a change while you were working? Uh, it, I noticed both, uh, both, both ways. Uh, a lot of 
things uh, change, even when I was at the academy, because and the gym instructor uh, used to tell us, oh, this training used to be this way, but now we're doing this way. We are we are not doing anymore in the old ways. So it's it's like they change a lot since the academy. Uh, plus, when we got on a job, the things that we used to do, we were going softly. Not anymore like, oh, just be careful what you do out there. When you go on patrol, uh, watch out for each other. Uh, approach approach the community or approach wherever you're going to be in contact. Approach it in a different way, not in the hard way, which is, you know, it's okay to approach uh, in a certain way. But I start noticing all these changes. And like, how can we be so soft on crime when it's uh, the crime it's, it seems to be, to be up? And all these changes, there were like, uh, uh, sometimes I didn't agree with these changes because you cannot approach crime in a soft way. A certain things that you cannot approach in a certain in, in, in a soft way, or you have to be, you have to decide what is right and what is wrong. So, so you have an example of something that like bothered you in the training. Me, like my training was very aggressive um, as far as approach and tactics. Um, physically, um, we were taught. You know, I was taught. But never let someone stick a phone in your face. Phones weren't even really prevalent when, when I when I came out in two thousand four. There was like the flip phone. There was one version of like the, the T Mobile thing where you could type on or whatever. I don't even remember the phone's name. But you know, basically at that time, I was trained if, if there's a protester and they go to whip a phone out in your face, and I still believe this till today because I've arrested people with guns that are in wallets, guns that are hidden as phones, guns that look like all different types of regular things. Um, you know, don't let someone rip something out, put it in your face, because that might be your last moment on earth. Um, and, you know, I watched my career, I watched the training. And, and I still will say, I, I don't think I was fully prepared to walk out onto the street when I did. I learned this job through older people. I learned this job through experienced officers. I learned, I learned through actually going out there in the field. Uh, you know, I did learn some good tactics in the academy, but I really became a cop in my first six months of my career, maybe even, a, maybe even my first two years through the mentoring process. And I noticed as I went on in time, the department went more towards, um, like an internet form of video training and not actually hands-on training. So do, do you feel that your, your training was adequate? Well, the, the training at the academy was not bad because like I said, I didn't experience all this, uh, the old way training. But what I noticed, uh, like I said before, the instructors used to tell us, oh, this training used to be this way back in the days. But now we, we cannot do it that way because we get in trouble. Uh, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of this so-called street lawyers yep. that are out there with their phones monitoring us like 24-7. And, and like they're correcting us because they think they're entitled. They have all these uh, support from politicians. 
and uh, was completely like, basically, I've been trained just to be careful what I'm doing out there, to be careful. Otherwise, I'll get in trouble. Yeah. One, I'll say one, one example. I was one time with my partner. Uh, we were on patrol and we were at 125th Street in Lexington. So uh, this guy was was uh, it was a nurse guy, uh, an African American, and he just lost his phone. And we approach him, and he approaches us here, and uh, we we start talking, and he's like, we're trying to help him to to get his phone, and I'm trying to get his uh, to retrieve his phone over over my phone. So we go in, uh, we we talking nicely, yeah. and um, for some reason another guy. Like was maybe like six foot away from us. He started recording us and saying, "Oh, leave that, uh, leave that brother alone. What are you doing? Why are you stopping him? He hasn't done nothing." I'm like, I approach him, sir. You know what we're doing? We are helping him. He just lost his phone, and we are trying to help him. We're not doing nothing wrong over here. What's wrong with you? I told him. Oh, okay. I misunderstand. In the and as soon as I told him that we are trying to help him, he stopped recording him. And I told him, no, don't stop recording. I keep recording because we're doing something good over here. And do not, do never say that, that we are, we are harassing people because we help people. We don't harass people. We address the, the crime and everything, but we're not here to harass or to hurt people. We're trying to educate and to help people. So basically, everyone is like against us when we when we approach uh, the community or when we do something that, according to them, it's wrong. So this is my experience. You know, listen, you stepped into the city in a tough environment. You know, I I, uh-huh. I did I did anti crime. You know, early on in my career, and and basically, oh, even into like almost the middle part of my career. I did it the, the whole first half, a little bit more than the whole first half of my career. And, uh, you know, I noticed a huge change in the city when Bill de Blasio came in and started pushing this, uh, you know, the, basically that the, the police department's evil and we're out here stopping people for no reason or based on the color of their skin. And, you know, and that was never my experience. I've never even observed anything like that at all. You know, this is a very diverse city. I mean, you, you yourself are an immigrant. You came here like and I'm sure you're not looking down on anybody in this city. If anything, you're, you're feeling like an outsider as well. Right. Like, so absolutely. It's, you know, it's it's like to, to sit there and throw that narrative on you because you because you chose to take a job to help people is it's it's tough, you know. So you you stepped in in a hard time, man. You really did. So uh, you know, you, you start young, you're in 2018, but you start, you know, you start to come into your own, right? And COVID yep. hits. Um, could you tell us about your feelings as COVID hit? You had to go to work. The early days, uh, the initial uh, shutdowns, everything. Could you just tell us about your experience, what you were doing at work, how you felt internally? Um, you know what you know what the conversations you guys were having. Yes, uh, basically, when COVID hit, we were at work every day, every single day, and uh, working plus overtime. You know, in transit, there's a lot of overtime, and we almost uh, were doing like twelve-hour tour almost every day. Uh, we were seeing people scared, uh, the subway, they were almost empty. 
we were trying to educate people how to protect themselves. Uh, was in the beginning was kind of scary things, but I approached COVID without fear because I I uh, I'm I'm pretty healthy myself. Uh, you know, I keep the diet. I don't drink. I never drink uh, alcohol. I, I go out parties, doing like that. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm basically I pray every every morning. Every morning that uh, I was going to work, I say uh, I memorize Psalm 91. I'm, uh, I fear God. And I depend on everything on him, on God. So basically when they hit, I was more worried about the people that I serve, to educate them and to see uh, what's going to happen in the future. So was, uh, uh, the subways was almost empty. Um, we, we were seeing, to be honest with you, we were seeing only, only homeless people on subway. And we were trying to, we were trying to help them, you know, because all the... All the uh, all the food stores they were all closed, so, so they were they were needing food, and sometimes we we're just just buying food for them, and feeding them, and and, and trying to tell them just uh, go outside, get get as much as air as you as you can because you need the sun, you need the air. It's uh, being a subway; it's, it's completely useless because all you're gonna breathe is like still dust. You're not gonna breathe like fresh air. We're trying to educate because I'm very big on health. When it comes to health, I educate people. I usually tell people like to eat healthy and to exercise. I do exercise myself. I used to I used to run when I was on the job. I used to run at least like three times a week. Uh, uh, I'm eating healthy. I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. Uh, and uh, yeah, basically that's it. Yeah. So you're out there. You're helping. You're helping homeless people. Um... Not to switch off topic there, but I'm assuming you have a relationship with with a lot of these people, right? Like you develop relationships with them, right? Like you develop relationships with people on at your train. You you went out of your way during COVID. At a, did did anyone reimburse you for buying them food, or did you just do that on your own? No, was uh, I, I usually don't like to exalt myself. I usually don't like to see these things, but the, you know, I do it on my own. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't need any any reimbursement or something like that. I don't need. I usually do it myself because, like I said, I like to. I like to be pro proactive yeah. to educate people and uh, to help people. In the meantime, so I was doing everything. Oh, I was talking with my partner. Hey, listen, let's 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 go buy some food for this guy, or you know, let's educate these people. Tell them like not to be afraid or whatever. Uh, so, so, yeah. so just to just to put it all into perspective, right? COVID hits, the whole city locks down. You go to work every day, twelve every hours day. a day, seven days a week. Um, for people that don't understand that, that's really like a 16 hour day because you got to get to and from work, right? Yes. It's, not, it's not just 12 hours door to door. No, it's 12 hours at work on the train station, on the platform, dealing, and you're out there in COVID while everybody else is home, while everybody else is locked down, while all the politicians are hiding, while everybody's yep. hiding, you're out there working seven days a week. Seven days a week you're working. And not only that, you're not even really doing it for that much money. You're putting your life at risk. 
you weren't properly equipped with even the, and now I've come to find out, you know, like the stuff that they gave us originally, they didn't even give us anything originally. I didn't even care to be honest with you. Cause I'm like, you, yeah, it's scary. Absolutely. Every day on this earth is scary, but it's also a blessing and I'm going to do what I was put on this earth to do. And if today's going to be my day, that's what it's going to be. Um, but you go out there, you, you not only do you do that out of the goodness of your own heart, you take money from your own pocket and you're helping educate people. You're not treating the homeless like they're some type of criminal. Cause I've been hearing that a lot in the news lately. I've been hearing that a lot from city council. I've been hearing that a lot about how we're criminalizing homelessness. And that is not the case whatsoever. You're out there, you're trying to make, give these people a better life or a better understanding. A lot of them are mentally ill. A lot of them are drug addicted. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and we're not treating anybody different. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, um, so, you know, yes, going uh, to, uh, uh, I'm sorry, go. Uh, one uh, little thing that I was uh, I was about uh, to add, like I I didn't work seven days a week, five days, sometimes six days, because uh, like I am a Seventh Day Adventist, I observe the biblical Sabbath, which is a Friday sunset to Saturday yeah. sunset. So um, I have to observe my uh, religious uh, accommodation, and um, maybe maybe I was like six days. Plus, you know, when when we're approaching this homeless during the COVID, sometimes I was seeing them doing drugs. And, you know, sometimes people or cops they used to approach them in a hard way, uh, which is, you know, I don't mind them to approach because you, you got to be sometimes hard with them. But to me, my theory was like sometimes I was... Uh, I was kind to them because when I see them doing drugs, I was like, what are you doing? You're going to die. If you're going to keep doing that, you're going to die. Plus COVID hit, the immune system, it goes down when you use all those drugs, all those things that you do. So instead of being hard with them, I was educating them. Now, if you're going to give me a hard time, I'll talk with you a different way. But approaching was 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 not on the hard way. Was I was a I was approaching them to educate them to see what a hey, what you're doing, and and that's why uh, one of the one of the homeless uh, was an elderly male. He is so thankful to us cops. Because we saved his life. He was an overdose in the subway system. And every time he sees us, oh, you guys, you guys saved my life. You guys saved my life. Thank you for being nice. Thank you for being nice. He was keep saying every time that he sees us. And, and, and he got better. He got, he, he got better. He got, uh, he got a job. He got, uh, uh, he got that. eventually he was getting an apartment. And every time that he, he sees us, he's like, oh, you guys approach us really nicely. You edu- educate us. You saved our lives. You know, not a lot of people are nice, but, you know, we appreciate your presence and whatever you guys do. So this is my. Uh, was, was, that the guy that, was that the guy that the department uh, put you on Twitter about, you and your partner? No, this one was different. Uh, yeah, this one was uh, another different. It wasn't. It wasn't me and my partner who, who saved his life, but uh, was other cops. 
uh, other cars. But uh, actually, uh, our cases was uh, a little bit different because she was a female. She approached us and she was like uh, yelling and screaming. She didn't know what to do. She was super high and she just fell on our arms. So me and my partner was like, you know what? Let's let's do it. We we uh, thank God, thank God that we had a Narcan on us. I, I always used to have uh, uh, two things when all the time my Narcan, and I make, I make sure I have a tourniquet because there are two tools very important to save life: Narcan and tourniquet. Yep. Thank God I had an Narcan all the time on me. So we use Narcan and uh, we, are, we are able to save them. Uh, Thank God, yeah. No, that's, that's great. That's, you know, I mean, you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? You're out there. You know, absolutely. You know, you know um, and that's even uh, above the, the call of a police officer, you know, like we're, we're supposed to be everything, nurses, psychologists, um, doctors, EMS workers, firefighters, right? Like we do everything out there. Um, what was your experience after Floyd during the riots? Oh yeah, when uh, uh, when Floyd st- started, uh, we 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 started to see the the changes. Uh, the first, I believe, was in on May. In May, uh, I was I was uh, most of the time I was on patrol. Uh, Upper East Side, because we used to cover from 14th Street all the way to 125 and Lex uh, Transit District 4. And plus, we used to cover the lower side of Manhattan. So majority of time, uh, I was upper side, uh, which I love to be up there because that's the, the that's the real police work. And that's, that's where you learn uh, in all perspective how to communicate how to put uh, to put uh, to put your police work? How to do everything? So, and I used to tell all the new to the new guys: if you want to come on the job, uh, if you want to want to learn, you, I recommend you go Upper East Side or go Lower East Side. Those were two hot spots. Then you must learn. You must go over there to learn. So we we felt right away the change. Uh, everyone was like uh, was seeing us. Was they were cursing us for no reason? Like we were like uh, their worst enemy for no reason at all. For no reason at all, they were starting throwing everything to us. Even that's the weirdest part. Also, at Union Square, there's a parking lot over there that we use, the cops. We saw nurses and doctors going out on protest, kneeling down and all this, uh, all this nonsense thing that they had in their heads, like uh, uh, against cops. But in the meantime, they were parking in our spots. And we were letting them to park in our spots and we're not giving them tickets, nothing like that. Because you're a nurse, you know, you're a doctor. Uh, they told us in the academy just uh, to give discretion to nurses and doctors. And I always used to do that, though, to give discretion 
So by how come you coming out, nurses and doctors, you coming out, when we are to the lowest point, we need, we need some comfort. We need, we need, uh, we need to, your support. And you coming out at 14th Street Union Square, kneeling down and all this uh, billboard, so-called billboard and all this uh, uh, that they had against us. And in the meantime, you parking in our spot and we're not giving you a ticket and nothing like that. And now I have to look for parking because you took my spot and I don't want to give you a ticket. Now I have to go out of my way to find parking because of you park on my spot. And in the meantime, you're not supporting us. It's, it's, uh, it's, there's no support over here. So we were attacked in all the ways from a regular people to all, all the way to the, to the, to the, to the highest one from doctor, lawyers, to everyone. And basically a couple months ago, they were calling us heroes because we to be present. Or every time that they used to call us, we were the only one out, out there. Because basically everyone was uh, locked into, into their house. Everyone was like getting support from the government, getting a check, but we were doing the real work out there. We were like 24 sevens. And uh, I want to, I want to thank all the cops, all my, uh, all my coworkers that we were out there 24 seven. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was, it was an awful time. I mean, the funniest part about the whole thing to me, which was insane was that we were actually for the first time, since Bill de Blasio had gotten into office in 2013, that was the first time that I was like, oh man, like the community likes us again. COVID hit, you know, like it was, it was, you know, you got all this stuff. People were giving us discounts. I, I, yeah. I don't even remember the companies. They were all throwing, oh yeah, if you're in law enforcement, don't worry about it. You're a frontline worker. You know, we support cops. We love the police department. And overnight, Something happened 3,000 miles away. Absolutely. And, and we were pieces of shit. You know, mm-hmm. and I even had people in my own family posting shit about it. And I'm like, this is yeah. nonsense. I was like, what are you saying? You're saying that I'm a racist? Like, what, what are you saying? You know, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I, I, it, it, it was fine. It's fine for me to go out there. It's fine that, you know, 99% of the cops will never call 911 in their whole life. Yet you people that are bashing us call 911 three, four times a day. Like it's, it's your own personal chauffeur service. Um, and, you know, and to me, that was the craziest, craziest thing about it. It's like to just watch the whole message and everything shift. They're like taking anything with cops, like Paw Patrol wanted to take the cop off and the toy stores are taking the cop toys out. I'm like, what is this? This is nonsense. You know, so it was a rough time, you know. And I mean, for me, I was like approaching the end of my career at that point. And I'm like, I mean, I really wasn't. I was, you know, between me and you, I was I was planning on going up the ranks. I was planning on taking yeah. the captain rank. I was going to do either five or ten more years after my 20. Um and I think at that point, I started to say, like, what the hell's going on? 
Is this even a city that I want to live in? Because I knew it wasn't like that everywhere else. I knew in New York, it was like, it was like, really, it was an onslaught, you know, and, and for years, I hadn't put my plaque in the window. You know, everybody complains that we have plaques to park. Yeah. But for years, I never used that because I know you're going to stab my tires, you're going to break my window. I'll just take the ticket. You know, I've had many tickets in my career. You know, I don't, I don't need to deal with all the nonsense. Um, so, so, all right. So a few months after that, like you, we go through that whole time, right. Things start to even out. And now they start talking about the mandates, they're mandating the nurses, they're mandating the teachers. Uh, and there's rumors they're going to mandate us um, yeah. to take a vaccine. What are your thoughts at that moment? Because right at that moment, the vaccine's pretty early on. We know that it's experimental. Um, it's not FDA approved at this point. Um, and, you know, I, I like it. me, I'm a guy, I don't, ta- I, don't, I don't take medicine if I'm not sick. Like, I'm not going to just sit here and take an aspirin for no reason. I'm not going to take anything. Even when I'm sick, I usually don't take anything. I'll, I'll eat oranges. I'll do stuff like that before I really put anything in my body. So to me, I didn't even really think about taking the vaccine. And I did have COVID. So did you get COVID? And what did you get COVID at any time during that time? And then... At what what time was that in relation to like the vaccine dropping and then the rumors of the mandate? Can you just bring us like all around that area, like for you? Sure. So uh, I had COVID. Um, um, if I remember, I had in on in April 2020 when the COVID hit. Right and away. Yes, uh, right away, and uh, I got sick, but. I was able to confront the disease with natural uh, remedies. Now, what I had, I had uh, on my chest, I had chest pain. I started wheezing, coughing, and I had fever. I was uh, almost like three weeks, I believe, three weeks away. Uh, I, I confronted COVID with natural remedies, meaning like I was eating a garlic, Every day, I know it's hard, but it's very healthy. Garlic is a natural antibiotic, they're calling it. Uh, I used to do um, apple cider vinegar every night or every morning and eating only fruits and vegetables and drinking a lot of tea. I didn't take no Advil, no nothing, no medicine, because me, myself, I don't like, I don't like pills or I don't like medicine, none of them. So uh, I also I had a lot of help. My wife helped me a lot because she prepared all these uh, uh, remedies, natural remedies. Like also I was uh, chopping up garlic um, with uh, with uh, in in the tea and warming them up, and it was really good. Garlic, it's it's perfect if you are sick. Garlic is the, the, the first thing that you must start doing or when we must take it's garlic because it helps a lot. And uh, fruits, um, I start doing also uh, fruits, uh, fruit, um, how you call that? Uh, the, uh, juice, juicing. Like juicing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, no smoothies, but juicing with uh, with yeah. a lot of uh, vegetable like uh, like um, spinach, uh, cilantro. A lot of these vegetables I was doing juicing, so it helps me a lot. And uh, I didn't feel like oh, because in the beginning when I when I got when I got COVID, I didn't even tell to my mother. My mom was calling me because she was hearing like I'm uh, you know I'm in the field right now. New York City is being hit hard. The media is, is blowing up everything. So I didn't even tell my mother that I had COVID. You know, every time that she was calling me from back home, I was telling her that, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't want to panic her because uh, to, to get panic, uh, it's it's not a good thing. The, like I said, the media was blowing up everything. So, I mean, uh, I, I was feeling to a point that, uh, everyone can be healed if they have the proper diet, if they start exercising, and if they start eating right and drinking the right thing. Drinking water, drinking uh, a lot of tea. And on top of everything, praying. We used to pray every morning, every morning. You know, approach, approach the spirit of God, first of all. You need protection from God. And... Uh, now, when I start hearing about the vaccine mandate, uh, I had the feeling that that this thing is going to come to us. It's uh, like you said, like it's, it's not authorized, fully authorized from FDA. Uh, plus, I saw we have an international law because if if I'm big thing of searching, I, I like to search things before I do things. We have an international law. It's called, I believe, Nuremberg. Nuremberg. Uh, yes. Yes, Nuremberg. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I don't know the, but Nuremberg something. Uh, that back in the days, the Nazis were doing experimental vaccine, and was completely illegal. So how we have an international law saying that the, these vaccine are experimental and are against the humanity? And now you're putting it and basically you want to save us or you want to promote these things to save us. When we can save our own self with natural remedies or the, the our immune system are made up to heal our body naturally. We don't need no vaccine, nothing like that. So how we can take this vaccine? When we don't know what it's in, or we know it's it's fatal tissue babies, aborted babies, which is the Bible talks, it's against it completely. And how are we going to put in our bodies something that is not working, is not working at all? So, and I, I am, I am now. Let me let me be clear to something. I am not against the vaccine. I am against the mandates. Because all, I know people that they got the vaccine, you know, they, they couldn't do nothing and they believe in vaccine. That's their own choice. That's their own choice. The First Amendment, the U.S. Constitution, give us the freedom of speech and the liberty of conscience, which permit us to choose or not to be mandated or not to force us to take something against are against our will. So how are you going to put 
or how are you going to mandate something that it's I, I totally don't agree with that I, I agree with you um you know my experience was and again I, I had COVID like you right so I already mm-hmm. healed so after I had it I was like I'm not I didn't even think about getting the vaccine, right? But yeah. which was real funny to me is the, the department surgeon and my own doctors, because um, when I got COVID a year after you did, I got a COVID almost the next following March. Uh, that's when I actually got it, the following March. I didn't get it that whole year. Um, I got it as the vaccines rolled out um, before everyone was getting it. Um, uh, as as uh, they just they just gave it to like uh, you know first responders could get it and I, you know I, I I was like I, you know I was kind of thinking about it because I didn't have COVID uh, I thought about it for a second and then I'm like Adam, what do I really need it for I'm fine I went through a whole year with this I went through the riots you know I really flouted all the rules I didn't wear a mask you know I always did my normal thing I'm always washing my hands when I leave my house you know if I'm touching my face if I'm not after I just showered I'm doing this I'm not you know I'm using the back of my hands or rub my my eyes or whatever I'm never really touching my eyes or my face or I don't put my hands in my mouth these are things just being a cop you know I'm always washing my hands but um you know, so like I wasn't really anywhere with that. I was like, I, I don't, I don't know what I would do. It wasn't even eligible for my wife to take, but the doctors told me, listen, after I got my infection, I had a really bad, I had a pneumonia. Don't, mm-hmm. do not, if you're thinking about taking this vaccine, don't take it. Wait, wow. wait, wait until your antibodies go. So I always found that funny because then weeks later, you know, it gets mandated and by Bill de Blasio and the same doctor is now telling me, Oh, you got to take it. And I'm like, why would, why would, why are you recommending it now? What changed other than Bill de Blasio told us to. And that was the only thing that they told me was that Bill de Blasio told us to. And, and I'm not okay with that. And anyone in the medical field shouldn't really be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and we know like a lot more things now than we knew at that time. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. But my experience at that time is most of the guys I worked with were like, I'm not taking that vaccine. Mm-hmm. Most of them, like the overwhelming majority of guys, I want to say like 80% of the guys that I worked with. And, you know, I know a lot of guys on this job. I, you know, I want to even say that the guys that I, you know, the guys that were in good health, the guys that had like anyone that had issues, their doctors were kind of telling them, hey, take it. You know, they're a little bit worried if they had any heart issues, if they had diabetes, if they weren't in mm-hmm. good health. I noticed those guys tended to go take the vaccine right away. But the majority of young guys or the guys like that work out and stay on their health, none of them were taking that vaccine. They were all talking, I'm not taking it, I'm not taking it, I'm not taking it. I'm taking it. And so, like, what, what were you hearing originally when that came out? What were the guys in your commands? So it was the same thing, like you mentioned, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of guys who had like precondition that went right away, they took it, which is their choice. I don't judge them. That's their choice. That's their freedom, wherever. Uh, a lot of healthy guys in my command, they said the same thing, like we are not taking it. We're not taking it. So I took it. But some guys that were like skeptic. Like, like, oh, we don't know what is in the vaccine because they start hearing news like, oh, look, wait a minute, this vaccine, it's, it's causing harm as well. It's not like healing, but it's causing harm, side effects, uh, everything else. 
that uh, we we're not so familiar, but we know the side effects. Uh, high problem, myocarditis. Uh, so there, they were not he- helpful uh, to heal everything. So, but since the mandates was was issued. Everyone start being scared because they, well, we're going to start losing our jobs. We have uh, we have mortgage. We have uh, we have kids. We have cars, and uh, so those people were like uh, skeptic. Uh, they had no other choice, but they yeah. they were just went took it. And which is I don't I don't judge them because it's very hard. It's very hard when Absolutely. you have a family, when you have a mortgage. How are you going to find a way to put food in, in 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 a table as a man of the house or as a wherever uh, you, you have to provide for your family that's the, the basic uh, you know basic uh, basic common sense so and i don't judge them they are being threatened by this the city of new york the mayor de blasio or mayor adams yeah to be taking how otherwise you're gonna lose a job and, and and it's not an easy it's not an easy thing so so I don't ask that question to place judgment on anybody right because yes. as men and as as women right like mm-hmm. and as cops and I don't even care what business you do right you go out you risk your life every day for your family I don't mm-hmm. care what you do I don't care if you own a pizzeria I don't care if you drive a cab. I don't care what your job is. You risk your life every day. You trade hours of your life. You put the the benefit of your family ahead of your own health, your own mental well-being, your own physical health. Um, and, you know, clearly enough, right, we're going out in the middle of this, you know, what they said is the worst pandemic ever. And we're all walking around, you know, doing, do, went through our job every day. So, you know. The choice that those guys made, they did to put food on the table, you know, yeah. like, and, and again, whether they were afraid of it or not, or whatever it was, my point is, my point in it is that if it was not mandated, most of the guys that I worked with would not have taken. No. They made a decision because they were forced into it. And was that what you experienced like that because that was my experience so i just want to know if like that's what your opinion would be yes so basically that's how it starts uh when i I believe was uh, in november last year 2021 when they issue the order that now we have to uh, to be uh, to be forced to take this 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 vaccine otherwise we're going to lose a job so that's how it started and uh, I, I immediately I contacted my church. Now I want to talk about a little bit thing, the the church thing and uh, the church uh, where the church stands, where my religious view stands uh, against these mandates, and um, what was I've been told about the mandates in the final phases. Uh, so in November we were all mandated to take this vaccine, and uh, immediately I contacted my church. I I, I wrote uh, now. I used to go in the church in Brooklyn. Uh, I was an elder in the church since 2017. 
Could you just uh, explain? Could you just explain to everybody what a church elder is? Sure. The church, the, the church elder is like basically uh, helping the pastor, being very active in the church, like uh, going out there helping the community with a food pantry, educating the youth, uh, bringing them to God, uh, doing Bible study, uh, doing all the prayer. You got to have like a certain standard to be elder. You cannot drink. You have to be married. Uh, I mean, you can be single as well, but uh, you can, you, it's, it's better to be married. Uh, uh, knowing the Bible, being nice to one each other, helping those people who are in need, um, contributing towards the gospel, meaning like uh, you have to donate your 10% or you have to give your 10% of salary to the church, which I was doing, and all this stuff that I was doing, like every every time that uh, my uh, my church was uh, was finished the sermon, uh, I was going out out there with the youth of the church, giving up books or appre- uh, approaching the community, and uh, how can we do something better, or can we pray for you, and. Uh, in, in which can we help you with a food pantry, uh, with everything that we are able to help? So basically, unfortunately, my pastor and my church start promoting the vaccine. And uh, he, the pastor, went and took the vaccine. Now, I didn't agree with that because we have a, we have higher standards in the church. We depend on God. We must be connected closely to God. And uh, the pastor took the vaccine and was, was kind of promoting it. And which I didn't like it, that, that, that move that he did, the step that he did. And uh, me and my wife had to resign from the church. We had to leave the church leave everything because uh, like I'm standing over here against a vaccine. My, my, my job is on the line and the only support that I have, it's the church. And now you're turning against me. You're turning against the things that we believe. So I had to leave the church. I had to resign the church. I had to give them notice that, you know, I don't, I I'm, I'm not willing to participate anymore to be in service of this church. So anyway, we leave, we left the church and we start following uh, online churches. Now I follow um, online churches, which is, um, which is in Florida, I believe. In Florida, yes, in Florida. He has like a couple of uh, churches, I believe two churches, but the main one is in Florida, uh, Orlando area. Uh, so I follow that church online through YouTube or, and I start contributing towards the gospel with my, with my uh, tithe and offerings. And I, I, I wrote to the pastor, like, can you provide a letter? Because um, they threatening me uh, to get fired if I don't provide the letter. So he, he said, don't, don't worry about it. Just wherever you need, just write me down. And he provided me with a letter, with a, a accommodation letter, religious accommodation. And he mentioned, he mentioned 
to the letter that uh, our body or our body is a temple of God, which is found in the first Corinthians 3.16. And we got to be careful what we put in our body if we are believers. Or even if we're not believers, the first amendment grant us the religious liberties that our founding fathers put in the constitution. So I submitted the letter, uh, uh, what was it, in November? In November, I submitted a letter. When I submitted all this letter, I got a denial. The first denial came in February that they were saying they didn't recognize it. But they sent me an email through the job phone, the department job phone. And for some reason, as soon as they sent me, it was my mistake. I didn't save this letter, uh, this email. Uh, for some reason, one week after they sent the first denial, this email disappeared, completely disappeared. I couldn't find it nowhere, nothing. It completely disappeared. So I appeal. Uh, I appeal in February. And in June, I got my my official denial that they give me like uh, if you if you want to remain on the job, you have you have to take the the vaccine, or you have seven days to to resign, or to or otherwise after seven days you're gonna be put on leave without pay for three days, and after three days. You're going to be terminated. Now, <clears throat> I start praying. I'm a prayer guy. My wife, she's a prayer warrior. We always pray. And we discussed it. Uh, it's very important if you have uh, the partner or wife or husband or wherever in your life to have, very, to have a supportive because it's very important for someone in the house to support you at all the time. Otherwise, you're gonna feel lonely or otherwise you're gonna give up. <clears throat> it's very important to pray and to know the Bible. So uh, we start praying because it was a tough decision to make. Should I resign or should I take the vaccine or should let them, let the city of New York terminate me? So after prayer and after talking, uh, uh, after discussing with my wife, I decided to let them terminate me, to let the city of New York terminate me. Why? Because I don't agree with a vaccine. As I mentioned before, it has to be like uh, a choice, not mandates. I'm, I'm not going to put something in my body that I don't believe it. It's a tough decision, but this is where where I stand. Uh, the second thing, I'm not going to resign because I haven't done nothing wrong to resign. Why should I resign for something that I haven't done? If I did something wrong, yes, it's a different story. But if I get in trouble, it's a different story. But why should I resign when I haven't done nothing wrong? So I decide to let the city of New York terminate me against my will and it's completely, completely illegal because I haven't done nothing wrong 
to get terminated. I done my job. I was all the time, never late, never, never late, never, never late. I always been at work. I tried to do my best at work. I tried to help people, my coworkers, or everything else. And also lately, with the 12 hour tour, the distance that uh, that I live, I live upstate. Uh, it's not easy to do 12 hour tour. So, so majority of time I was sleeping in the command when we we're doing 12 hour tour because make no sense to come home for three or four hours or yeah. sometimes three hours and then going right back i'll feel like exhausted so every time that i was going at work in my bag i had extra clothes soap you know all these uh hygienic things so i'll take the shower in the command i'll exercise i work i stay late i'll eat and i sleep in the command so how are you gonna put me terminate me against my will and i haven't done nothing wrong and you're still terminating me it's you you did you did absolutely nothing wrong um you know my experience with it was that you know first off i thought i had a union would back me right i thought i had a union that would help me if i was having any problems say i did do something wrong i did get arrested for hitting my wife i did get arrested for drunk driving i did get arrested for something right like the union's there for all those people right like all mm-hmm. I've, I've known guys that are questionable integrity on this job that ha- mm-hmm. that till today that will have retired with 20 or past 20 years that have numerous incidents and i'm not judging anybody right life happens to everyone you know um we are held to a higher standard than everyone but but those guys have had recourse right those guys have had support from the union lawyers stuff like that i didn't get any support to to create my religious exemption what do you feel like your union was there for you like my, me i'm talking about the lieutenant's benevolent association because in the nypd we're broken up by rank um you know i've spoken personally with lou turco um and they weren't there for me at all he basically told me that he's not going to look out for me whatsoever they're not going to mount a defense to it and their stance at this point on it is they've exhausted all legal option which is laughable and a lie you know um it's i feel like i wasn't represented at all did you feel your union could have done more than you? Do you feel like Pat Lynch and the Patrolman's Benevolent Association could have done more for you or should have done more for you? Yes. Uh, before I go to the union, I want to touch a little bit the the, the unit that we have uh, through the department, the EEO unit. EEO. Uh, EEO. Uh, Office of Equal Opportunity Employment, yes. also known as the, the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Office, right? Uh, correct. Correct. So since I was granted the religious accommodation, a reasonable accommodation back in 2018, as, as a believer of Seventh-day Adventists, uh, the first thing that I did when I, when I called, when I, call, when I got the, the notification the, for the denial, the second denial, the first thing that I did, I called the EEO to discuss with them or to get any help from them or any advice, what should I do uh, for further information? I call them. You know what? Nobody pick up the phone. 
No one pick up. I call him twice. No one pick up the phone at 10 o'clock a.m. No one pick up the phone. And I also had uh, had some even issue in the in the past because uh, because there were there were some days in the command they were telling me to work on on, on my religious uh, day. And I and I call them and look, this is how it is. My command, it's it's kind of threatening me or telling me to work. Not threatening me, they're telling me to work. So I'm calling you because since you guys are a unit, I need some uh, I, I need some to, to resolve this problem. And you know the the, the people that are, that work at EEO unit, uh, they're not a lot of uh, how can I say it. Uh, they don't know a lot of things when it comes to religious observance so uh, they're not so helpful at all they're not so helpful now this unit has to be like in higher standards to know everything what's going on with certain people and to know all the problems and to be able to resolve but unfortunately they're not able to resolve a lot of things so anyway, I call them and I haven't, I haven't heard, even in these days, I haven't heard nothing from uh, this unit at all. So I called the, uh, I called the, I called the union, and uh, I told them where was my situation. And the first thing they said, uh, why don't you take this uh, vaccine? There's nothing wrong. Save your job and take the vaccine. I said, excuse me. I said, I'm calling here not to tell me to take the vaccine. I'm calling him for help. And you're telling me to take the vaccine. I don't want to go further, but can you help me in this issue? Or can you help me in this topic that I'm I'm telling you? And they don't want to, they didn't want to go further. So they just start, you know, uh, tell me, okay, what do you, wherever you need, let us know. But I was I was uh, I was disappointed when they told me go ahead and take the vaccine when they should know that they should say something else instead of telling us to go ahead and take the vaccine. So this oh, that is- was that was your union's response. Basically, you need help. The, our office that's there for equal opportunity employment that's supposed to be very familiar with the law, Civil Rights Act 1964, the Human Rights Act in yes. New York State, federal, state, city, OEO law, and even the NYPD's own OEO policy. Yes. All of this is being violated by this mandate. No one talks about it. Our union, our unions don't do anything about it. And it's my contention they had already made the decision before even Adams came in and before the actual mandate came down, because I had an issue with the mask, with the testing and the masking. And my mm-hmm. issue was this, you want us to wear a mask then you make everybody wear a mask. You want us to test then you make everybody wear a test. Why are you treating me or anyone else like they're dirty and somebody else is better? So that I started complaining to the union about that. And then, and, and at that time I was told, well, you know, the vaccine mandate's going to come down and, we're in, there's nothing we could do. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than the union. It's bigger than the city of New York. It's bigger. It's the whole country, you know? So there was something said to them and, and, you know, they'll never admit it. And I could really care less, but they didn't do their job. 
I'll tell anybody that to their face. I'll tell Pat Lynch. I'll tell Lou Turco, whoever the guy is that took over for Ed Mullins, any of them. And that includes the captains of Diamond Association because I even heard nothing from them also. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't – I think that's my contention. They did nothing for us. It should have been a uniform response. They should have reached out to us individually. Um, mm-hmm. I know myself at this time – um, I was approaching my 18th year. I was in a better, I was in a more of a less enforcement job. I really wasn't doing enforcement more, more of an administrator. Uh, but my years of police work had really taken somewhat of a toll on me. And um, the pressure that I felt at that time was the most pressure I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, my mental health, my physical well-being, uh, I felt was really being diminished. And we have a unit in the police department called the health and wellness section as well. Yes, yes. Um, how could you describe your, your mental and physical health? Did you, how did you take it? You know, we all handle stress differently. I usually brush it off and don't even know I'm under stress. Um, but however, at that moment in time, I actually did know that I was having stress. And for the first time in my life, I experienced anxiety. And I never had that happen to me ever before. Oh. Uh, yes. Uh, so I'll, I usually, it's, you know, the, the job that we used to do was a lot of, uh, was very challenging. I have to admit that all the jobs that I did this job was very challenging because you have to deal with, with lives on top of everything. You have to deal with, uh, with everything. Basically, you touch, you, uh, one day you're nice, the next day you don't feel to be that, that nice anymore. Uh, you didn't, but what I, uh, me personally, I'm a I'm very calm person. I approach everything with, uh, with wisdom. I use a lot of wisdom. Uh, I try to use my best, my best, uh, my best approach. When I approach people, I try to do my, my the or the decision that I, I that I make. I don't rush. Uh, I take my own time. Uh, basically, this unit, the health and wellness, it's, it's not helpful. It's, I got I gotta say straightforward answer. It's not this I haven't I haven't heard nothing from them at all since this mandate came out uh, to help in, instead of saying to help us with natural remedies or, or how to exercise or how to do things. They're super silent and I haven't heard nothing from them, nothing at all. So I cannot say further. Beside this, like I, I haven't heard nothing from them, and I don't know where is their view or what they think about this. But me personally, I haven't heard nothing at all from them. And uh, if you so, don't hear nothing from a unit that it's su- supposed to be there, which says health and wellness, uh, how this unit exists or how this unit works, because I haven't heard nothing. So and there's actually another thing, and a lot of people don't know this, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of people don't know this. I was in, I did uh, two years in internal affairs, right? I was a sergeant yep. in internal affairs for two years. There's a unit that after you're fired, 
after you vest out or after you retire, right? Their job is, is what they do is they call you up and see why you left, what you think about the job, if you could report any corruption. Um, so they'll do that to anybody, right? And uh, again, you were terminated for absolutely no reason, right? You were terminated for absolutely no reason. I opted to take an early retirement rather than being terminated and losing my 18 years. I, I opted to take an No one's reached out to me to ask me anything about this job, to ask me my experience in the job, if I'm aware of any corruption, and if I'm aware of any of this stuff. Um, you know, and, and I'll say wholeheartedly in my 18 years, you know, the, the, the NYPD is the least corrupt organization in the world. We have the most oversight in the world. Yes, there's a ton of members. There's always going to be issues. But for the most part, man, 99.9% of the people I worked with were on the up and up. Um, they were good guys, you know. And um, But, you know, did anyone ever reach out to you after besides the guys you work with? Um, did anyone ever reach out to you after like after you were terminated to see like the union? Did anyone reach out to you to see if you're okay? And to ask you about, Oh, did how, what were your experience was like? Do you know, are you aware of any corruption, anything like that? Did, did you ever receive a phone call? Cause I did it. Uh, unfortunately, no, not at, at all from no one except my coworkers. My delegate at the command, yes, he has been reached out. He's always texting me, how are you doing? You know, if anything, let me know if you need any help. But officially, like from union officially, nothing, nothing. And I want to thank my coworkers. I want to thank my coworkers, the, oldest, uh, the, the peers, they're reaching out and uh, my command. They're always texting me to see how I'm doing. But uh, from uh, official department, nothing at all. We just uh, thank. Actually, when I got when I got the termination letter, they said, "Oh, thank you for your service to the city of New York." <laughs> That's it. So, Cole, I'm going to ask you. You know, when we talk about coworkers, right? Like, uh, you know, this job definitely shaped me. I made so many great friends on this job. Sure. I've learned so much from so many people. Um, you know, I laugh. I laugh when I hear that, you know, we're a systemically racist organization or we're, uh, <laughs> it, I, I like, I, I can't even fathom how anyone, you know, I, I would be more than willing to yeah. have a discussion with anyone over that because it's, it's the furthest thing from the truth. You coming here as an immigrant, right? You speak yes. broken English, right? You speak broken English. Can you just tell us about your experiences with the men and women you worked with? Um, do you, do you, how do you, do you feel that racism exists within the department? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, uh, my experience with my coworkers are great. Uh, when I was working in Transit District 4, like 90% of us come from different cultures. 90%. <laughs> It's only like 10%. They're the real, the real, uh, the real Americans. 90% come from uh, or, or Europe or Asia or, or uh, Latin America. Everyone comes from different culture. So me personally, I didn't see any racism in the in the in the department or any any anything that it's it's 
uh, race cards, these people that are after the media, like the, the propaganda that the media is saying against us that we are racist, we go, uh, my partner, my partner was, was, uh, was a second generation from, uh, from Haiti and Panama. I have different partner, but usually the guy that uh, I was working all the time and, and we were great. We were doing like, there's nothing wrong. Hey, listen, we go, we go out there in the streets. We see something. If you break the law, <clears throat> we're going to address it. We cannot see you breaking the law and just turning the head in the other way. No, I was, uh, I was, I was a cop that I would like to address things. Like, I, I love my job and I always gonna love to be a cop. Was always my dream to be a cop. Uh, why I'm saying that, every time that I was uh, all back home over here, I used to see all these cops, they look sharp. Uh, the, the uniform is pressed, they look nice. Uh, the hair cut, shaved, everything. And I'm very, I was very disciplined when it comes to the uniform, uh, uh, how I was looking. I'll make sure like I, I clean up my uniform every week. I make sure like my belt, when I was on patrol, I, I was on point. Uh, I make sure like I clean up my shoes, my boots, to, clean, to you know, to be present. I never, I never saw myself to to look like uh, I ought to be downgraded when it comes to uniform. I always make sure, like I shaved. I like to be shaved, and uh, and I always used to tell my partner because you know the the sergeant the sergeant test is coming, and for some reason I don't want to be a sergeant. Uh, and a lot of people they say, oh, you may say too, why you don't want to be a sergeant? For simple reason that I like the streets. I like to, I like the community. I like to interfere with people. And uh, I like to be just a cop. And actually I had an interview because my, my plans was like to reach to ESU unit. I'm good physically. I used to do karate. Uh, I like the street, like I said. And I, I recently, before I left or before I got, got terminated, I had an interview with... Um, with SRG, Strategic Response Group. And uh, I had a panel of interview. They interviewed me because I applied. I wanted to be in the unit. Uh, um, and to start with the unit and to go higher up to ESU. Uh, and the first thing I said to them, look, I applied for this position. I would love to be in this, uh, in, uh, in this unit. But my only point is uh, the, the VAX mandate that I'm not vaccinated and if you guys want to hire me I was I was straight with them if you guys want to hire me I don't know for how long I'm going to be in the job because it's still going on with vax made vax mandate so if you want to hire me I don't know if I'm going to be able or I'm, I don't know for how long I'm going to be with you guys if you want to hire me so it's better if you look uh, for someone else who's, who's you know who's vaxxed and it's, it's willing to stay in the unit that me, oh, I'll, you, you're going to hire me next week. And, you know, I get the termination letter. Now I cannot be anymore in this unit. And now you're going to have to look. So I was straightforward with them. Like, 
this is this is where I stand. So uh, I like I like those units, and uh, and this is uh, where it ends. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, like you know, dude, I, I, it's I can't even tell you the fury that I feel talking to you about this because this is it's a lie. Everything we've ever been told is a lie. Like you were what, you know, every, every academy class I've ever heard, this is the most diverse academy class. We speak 17 different languages. You're the guy that why New York is beautiful. You're the guy, you're the reason that the job is the way the job is. You're the reason you're, you're one of the many reasons that the job is the way it is. The city is the way it is. It's a melting pot. It's a diverse melting pot. You come in here with your religious beliefs. You come here with your culture. And you don't throw that on anyone. You just want to integrate. And you want to make your the world around you a better place in the best way that you can. You come here. You take a difficult job. And you do absolutely absolutely nothing wrong you did nothing wrong my friend the your termination was completely illegal i don't care what law gets changed in the future i don't care what happens what happened to you is abhorrent it's disgusting and the fact that people weren't reaching out to you immediately past your termination and by the way there's so many others so many others like you and you know you know so I, I applaud you for coming out, man, because it's 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 hard to talk about, and you know you put yourself out there. Um, so I applaud you, dude. Like, got a lot of courage, man. You're, you're you are what the job should be hiring. They talk about integrity. I'm looking at integrity in my face right now. I'm speaking with integrity. You holding on to your beliefs. Um, and could you just tell us? But, but I, I don't even think anyone needs to hear it. But 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 the financial impact on you, the finance. Do you, do you you're getting paid right now? Do you have any health benefits? Do you have anything for your service? The emotional uh, toll on you, and what your plans are now going forward? Uh, yes, uh, fortunately, um, I have almost. Well, I'm not getting paid at all. Like my last check was uh, two weeks ago. My last check. Uh, I'm not getting no health benefits, nothing. Basically, I've lost everything. And uh, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to be uh, over here uh, being uh, in a negative thought. Or I, I usually stay positive because I believe in God, and uh, God will make a way. Like I said, unfortunately, I've I've uh, I've lost everything, but I haven't lost God, and I haven't lost faith. And I haven't lost my wife, which is very supportive, very, very supportive. And uh, every every day that I wake up, uh, I say, you know what, something good will happen today. Something good will happen today. I keep staying positive. I pray. I read the Bibles. I read different books. Actually, uh, one book that I read, it's uh, if I can, if I can say it over here, it's. Uh, it's, it's called Great Controversy, Great Controversy by Ellen White. It's very great. I like to read books. I like to read books. And uh, it's very, very important, me personally, to read the book because it's, it, it basically says everything from what's going to happen 
and in what kind of uh, situation we are right now, the book it says uh, that the 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 doctor um, I forgot the name of the doctor that he was he was a very famous doctor. Uh, I forgot now the name. He read the book. It's called Great Controversy, and he was telling to other people to read it, and especially the, the, the special chapter. It's uh, it's called, I believe, religious uh, threatening to religious liberty, threatening to the religious religious liberty. So I'm putting all the puzzles together, and uh, I'm not fear. I'm not afraid. I lost almost everything, but I'm still have faith in God. I still believe and something good will happen. Uh, I love to be a cop. I would love for the future to remain in the same position as law enforcement. I'm still young. I still can give a lot to the community or a lot to the people that I will serve. And uh, basically, they, they, uh, I, I'll still remain to be in the future in the cop. I apply for the uh, couple of positions, so I'm I'm still uh, I'm still waiting for an answer. If uh, if our court case wins, or any of the court cases wins, will you go back to the NYPD? Yes. Well then. Yes. You know, um, yeah. you know I'm gonna let you go in a few minutes. I got I do got like one or two more questions for you. And sure. I appreciate you taking the time and speaking with us. Um this happened to you, right? This happened to you. You're a positive guy. You just gave me more positivity. I, sometimes this it gets it gets a hold of me, all this. Um would you do it again? Would you sign up again? Would you sign up again? Would you stay the whole way? Would you change anything about anything that happened? I will definitely do that. Same thing. Change nothing. Yeah. Well, it's it's very hard because I'm not in that position to change things. So I'm a simple officer who would like to be on the streets. But I can give ideas. I can give all the ideas that I experience. And uh, I usually with supervisor, I never had problem with supervisor. My 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 daily routine when I was going patrol is like to not bother the supervisor at all. I was saying, hey, Sergeant, Lieutenant, let me handle this. Put me over here wherever you need me. And uh, you're not going to worry for nothing because my my strategy was like when I was on patrol, be observant and be present. Uh, on my four years and a half, it's uh, it's weird to say, but I very uh, I, I little took uh, uh, very few reports, sixty uh, ones. Uh, Why? Because I was very observant. I used to observe all the people, all what they were doing, or what they were supposed to do, and I was present at all the time. Every time that I was on post. I used to tell my partner, hey, you know what? Let's put a directive. I don't know for the audience where it is a directive, but directive is like when you're present, when you put an inspection, you inspect the area, you put over the radio, you tell the central where you are, what you're about to do. And every 40 minutes, 
uh, I used to put a directive of being present to that station, to that post. And I used to be very observant, especially towards the those people who were about to, to start doing something. So in those years that I was on patrol, I used to tell a sergeant, send me over here and you're not going to have a problem because I know, sorry, I know how to, I know how to resolve problems and I know what to do. You don't have to worry. If anything, I give you a call, but basically like 99%, you're not going to be, you're not going to be disturbed at all. You just worry for other things. Let me worry for my post today and you're never going to have then. I, I took very few reports because I was all the time on points. So what you're saying point. is, right, you went out there, you did the job, right? Your job for that day on that post or whatever posts that you were assigned was presence, right? Yep. And presence when you walked the in there, you didn't walk in there like a sloppy mess. You didn't walk in no. there with your head down, texting on your phone. You did not make eye contact with people. When P.O. Cola came down the stairs into the train station, or on that train, everyone on that train knew that P.O. Cola was there, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's so important in police work. It's, it's not even funny. You know, I always said, like, you know, your presence is everything, right? Like, you being present yep. in that moment is mm-hmm. everything, you know? Um, when, you know, I, I was a similar, I was the same way my whole career. I, you know, I, I really did. I, even as a sergeant, as a lieutenant, you know, I, if I was on any post, I was out there. If we were out there 18 hours for New Year's, mm-hmm. I was out there 18 hours for New Year's. I, you know, people knew that I was around and the criminal element, let me tell you, when they notice that somebody actually cares and that you're unafraid and you're going to, your goal is to keep people safe. They will leave. They will go elsewhere. And that's why you did, it's not an accident that you took very little reports. If you do that, you will take little reports because anyone that had a bad thought in their head mm-hmm. is going to leave that thing. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, with the way that morale is today and even with, you know, even with how people are being trained and the mixed messaging and law enforcement today and people, it's just it's sucking the morale out of people. Um, a lot of people aren't, a lot of cops aren't as strong in faith and to stay positive. It's a very hard thing to stay positive in law enforcement. Uh, you know, uh, you can ask anyone that worked with me, and I, I know you do know guys that worked with me. I'm very, I listen to motivational videos every day. I listen to Bible verses every day to get my head correct before I went to police again another day, depending on all the pressures of home life and, mm-hmm. and you know, what happened the night before and the week prior and all this, the buildup of everything. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard to stay present in that moment. So that's, you know, that's, that's a point that, you know, I applaud you for that because, and that's what I was told about you, that you were a good cop. You really went out there to do the right thing. Um, so it's not a shocker to me that you're saying that you didn't take a lot of reports because there's nothing to report on your post because people are going to leave when they see you present in the moment. Just one issue and I'll let you go. Cause I don't want to tie you up all morning. I got you for like an hour and a half already. Um, um, one more thing and I'll let you wrap it up. You say whatever you want. Um, you know, in the news today, you know, I, I've listened to Bill Bratton. I've listened to so many police experts come on the news and talk about the NYPD's mass exits. 
I've heard very little, very, very little. And actually, I haven't heard it at all. I heard Paul DiGiacomo, the, the Detective Bauman Association. He was the only one. He made slight mention to it. He said Pat Lynch has not talked about it. Turco has not talked about it. Um, just Paul DiGiacomo has spoken on it. He said, briefly brushed that the vaccine mandate is one of the reasons that everyone's leaving the job. If you had to rank reasons... Where would you place the vaccine mandate? And what reasons do you feel cops are leaving the NYPD currently? I believe in my own uh, view, <laughs> vaccine mandate is the first reason <laughs> on my own view because uh, the, the, the department lost a lot of great officer like, like you, too, <laughs> like uh, losing a lieutenant, like in your standards, it's not an uh, a easy thing. I don't know how they feel. They lost a lot of officers during this uh, vax mandate because if you see if you see the amount of officers that they left because of my vax mandate, they are the healthy ones. The healthy ones are the they are in good shape. They can run. They can do all the jobs. And even when I was uh, uh, I was reading a, a union message, an ESU guy left for Nassau County. Uh, can you imagine an ESU guy? He said like he's, he's better quality of life, but who knows, you know, because a lot of people that they're, unfortunately, they're afraid. Their view, it's it's different view from our view. They're, they're afraid and, you know, that's, that's, that's their own uh, idea of their own, their own, uh, Choice to not uh, to not say about the vax mandates because maybe they uh, who knows what they think. But the department is losing a lot of a lot of great officers because of these vax mandates. Uh, I'll put it as a first one, and the second the second reason is because of uh, all this uh, all this uh, apologetics uh, view. That department is going towards the people that are apologize, apologizing for this, apologizing for that. So we're not, uh, we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to do that. So this is my second, uh, you know, the quality of life. You know, it, it, unfortunately, it's, it, we we have to think it's it's a paramilitary organization. Uh, the, the 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 department has to be tough sometimes, and which I understand that. And uh, a lot of people, they living because they have better quality of life in the other departments, uh, like Nassau County or Suffolk County or MTA. We have a plenty of people uh, during my four years and a half. Uh, my class was, I believe, was like uh, 16 people. Out of 16 people, I believe only eight people now that remain. And plus those eight people, who knows? Because uh, they're on, on, on other department on the list to sign because NASA County test that just came out. I saw it yesterday. Who knows how many people will take that NASA County for the better quality of life. Uh, plus, I heard Dallas Police Department is coming in New York uh, this month. Plus, Aurora from uh, from Colorado Police Department is coming to, to New York to recruit. And if you see their advertisement, the first thing they say, no vax mandate, no vax mandate. <laughs> so, 
Florida, Florida, from Florida, all the old shave department, they came to New York. Yeah. The first thing they say, no vax mandate. We need officer. We need NYPD officer. NYPD has great officer, has great officer because we're dealing with everything. But they don't have great leadership. They don't have good leadership. And the good leadership, they are living, unfortunately. And the leadership that is out there, they're not standing for us. No one is willing to say nothing for us. The, the mass exodus, they're just blaming only one thing that the, you know, the, 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 wherever, wherever reason they have, but they need to address all these points, all these views, and they need to put the right, the, the, the right leaders so that they, they can, they can put back the department. So the, just my view on the whole thing is, you know, Eric Adams is a tyrant. Bill de Blasio is a tyrant. Um, the leaders we have in place don't even deserve the title leader. Um, they don't deserve the title chief. Um, no, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's to the point that elephants in the room, it's huge. Nobody talks about it. The unions don't talk about it. The experts don't talk about it. Our former police commissioners don't talk about it. And it's infuriating. And for anyone listening to this, and I know a lot of you guys are going to listen to it, I think you're a coward. I've told you many times in all different platforms or face-to-face, it's cowardly. It's wrong. There is no integrity currently in the police department. There is no leadership currently in the police department. And, and I think you're right. I, I mean, my opinion is the VAX mandate is the number one reason. The number two reason is we have no backing. We have no leadership. Um, I don't see any any true leaders. The, the leaders are, you know, you know, I know you were only a police officer, but that was a leader quality. of you. So if you do go on and, and or if this does win, I, I really believe that. You shouldn't be a supervisor on this job um, or, or, or in law enforcement somewhere because that's integrity. It's very hard. It's seeing things that are wrong and still speaking out about it. And we lost that. We used to have guys like that in this department. And the people that I thought that were like that really aren't. Um, they're just up for their next title, their next uh, pension, their next whatever. Um, there's so much more things in life to money. Um, money's... You know, God, my my opinion is God will provide, right? Me and you are not getting Absolutely. it right now. Absolutely. I'm being provided for. I don't know how. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm not doing as good as I was doing, but I'm, yeah. I'm still happy. And I still have those relationships that I need. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's unfortunate things that are getting rewarded in the city right now and the people that are being demonized in the city. And, you know, you did nothing wrong, man. Um, I, you know, I pray every day that this lawsuit goes through. I'm never going back. I'm, it's over for me. I'm never going back. My heart's yeah. not in it. I always said the day that I say I can't do this job anymore, that's the day I'm going to get killed. And I don't want to go out there like that. So to me, it's over. Oh, my career's over. I'm, I'm thankful for my career. I would do it all over again. I would change nothing. Um, you know, but I do want to give you an opportunity. Just speak to the audience, whatever you want to say, whatever it's about. It doesn't have to be about anything. Um, it could be about so totally something totally different. What's your message to the world? What, what, what do you want to say? Sure. Uh, 
First of all, I want to start with a with a department NYPD. I want to tell them whoever is is, uh, is listening. I want to tell them I am available. If you take this vax mandate or if you grant me to come back at work, I'm available and I'm, I'm gonna put a hundred percent on me back on the streets. I'm available to other department. Uh, police department or sheriff department that are listening. I'm available too. I'm looking for a job. I want to be, I want to remain on the field, on law enforcement field, whosoever is listening. And uh, to the audience also, uh, cops or police officer, without police officer, I'll say, you don't have protection. We need, or uh, the civilians need police officer on the streets to protect them. Uh, do not, do not treat us like we all do something bad. There are a lot of police officers out there. There are great police officers out there. And to the vax mandate, uh, take away this vax mandate because. Is not working. If it was working, okay, we probably will see it in different way or we'll go further. But it's not working. It's not like uh, it's 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 uh, it's resolving the problem. It's not working at all, and we don't know. Actually, it caused more injuries than people got uh, got healthy. Uh, also, I want to read the statement in the Bible. If, if, if I can, Absolutely. Uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the book of Luke, uh, it's uh, the King James Version, Luke 16, uh, verses 10. The Bible says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. So, my views, my, uh, my, my, my stance uh, are, I'm standing for what I believe. I'm standing for these little things that make big difference in the future. And God willing, I pray that every day that God give me courage, comfort me, and provide for me. And I always stay positive. And I want to thank God every day that he keeps me still uh, the person that I am. Amen. What uh thank you for that, by the way. Thank you. Um no, praise God. Um, it's powerful, like it, it really is. Like this whole thing has brought me so much closer to God. It's moved me a lot further away from my church. Um, you know, similar to your experience in the in the church, my parish basically turned their back on me, and I think they're cowardly. Um, but you know, I always reflected on the fact that Jesus didn't have a church, right? He didn't, yeah. right? He was an outcast, right? Mm-hmm. He was an outcast and he spoke to the outcasts, right? He spoke to the homeless, he spoke to yes. the prostitutes, yes. he spoke to everyone, sort of like what same thing you did in your life, same thing I did in my life, right? I dealt, I spoke with bad people and I spoke with good people and I treated them all the same, right? Um, so you know, it, like I, this whole thing has brought me a lot closer to God. But, um, and, and there's so many verses in the Bible that I could relate to, but, 
um, sort of after I heard your story, I want to read one quote that reminded me of you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not from the Bible. It's from Captain America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had just met you uh, via telephone. I heard your story. I said, I, I, I mean, I was like, it, it's, it's, it's horrific. I heard your story from another man who immigrated here first generation and became a police officer. And I always gave immigrants so much credit because I'm living in another state right now. I'm speaking to you from New York city right now. I'm living in Florida. Um, I moved my family down there. And the thought of me going to be a police officer in, in a different state that I don't know, as well as I know New York was a very scary thing for me. Um, I know New York like the back of my hand. I know all the stuff. So to to so I always praised you guys because I I the, the bravery that it takes to come here and learn a language and learn all the different cultures. You know, I don't know how Albania and Italy was. I don't I only know here. Um and like for me, this is very comforting environment. I come to New York City, I feel at home. Um I can be a cop here any day of the week. Um, I don't know that I could do that elsewhere. I don't know that I could move to Albania or Italy and do that. And I wouldn't, I don't even have, the, I don't even have, I don't even have it in me to do that. So I, I applaud you for that. Um, Thank you. But, but you held on to your standard. And, and I always said, if I was invested in my advice to everyone that asked me, I said, financially, this is a horrible decision to leave this yeah. job. If you could invest, invest. If you can't invest, get fired. And that's still a hard thing. And I'll never judge anyone for not making the decision that you made. That took the utmost courage. It really did. But you did do nothing wrong. You know, you didn't let yourself resign. Um, You didn't have any of that stuff. Um, You didn't let any of the noise. And there was so much noise, so much stuff coming down, emails, text messages, rumors, everything, right? And it was all nonsense. At the end of the day, we all know it's nonsense because, hey, look, the Yankees and Knicks and all those guys, they're playing unvaccinated. You know, most of our politicians have religious exemptions. They're not, you know, they're not as religious as you. I'll tell you that right now. Um, so this quote, I'm, I, I want to read it to you if you don't mind. It just made me sure, think. Absolutely. It's from Captain America. It doesn't matter what the press says. It doesn't matter what the politicians or what the mob say. It doesn't matter if the whole country decides that something is wrong or something is right. This nation was founded on one principle above all else. The requirement that we stand up for what we believe in, no matter the odds or the consequences. When the mob and the press and the whole world tell you to move, your job is to plant yourself like a tree besides the river of truth and tell the whole world, no, you move. And you did just that, my friend, and I applaud you. It's an honor to meet you. It's an honor for you to come on this podcast. Um, and I hope you stay in touch and, you know, I would like to have other conversations offline, not just here. And I pray you get your job back. I pray you go to New York city and New York city still has cops like you there. Um, right. cause if not, it's going to be a scary place. And I still love New York city and I still love the NYPD and I know you do as well. So, uh, thank you. I want to, if I can say something, uh, Absolutely. uh I want to thank you. 
thank you very much for standing with us in this battle that we are. It's, uh, it's very rare to hear from a supervisor like you that you stood up with us uh, to this point that you have to give up your career that you love and you serve the city. And I want to thank you for that. It's, it's like I said, it's very rare to hear from a lieutenant who had to give up because of these vax mandates. And I encourage and I pray for you that God will open the way also for you. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Stay offline. Stay on with me for a second. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to stop this recording. Sure.